the bags and moved down to Florida. And I've been blue since she went and gone. And this bowling green motel room is now my old Kentucky home. All right, welcome back to the Pinstripes to Camo podcast. I'm your host, Ben Smith. Uh, we're coming to you once again from the campus of William Carey University. Tonight, it's just me and Matt. Yep. And our special guest, Joshua Carney from Son of the South. Um, Josh is an avid hunter outdoorsman. He's a conservationist. <laughs> I froze up. Uh, he's got a television show does several podcast appearances um pretty much anything outdoors josh is involved with it we're glad to have him tonight um he's a native of baton rouge louisiana he now lives in nashville tennessee uh tried to make him an honorary mississippian earlier he turned me down on that so we'll, we'll get to that later on but josh man glad to have you on the show tonight Man, it is a pleasure. I am so glad you messed up that introduction. So glad that makes it so much better for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. <laughs> since, uh, well, Matt may want to make me the idiot of the week after that, but first things first on the show, we've got new idiots of the week. And as far as I know, none of us know these guys. I don't know. Matt, you want to? We're not going to call their names out, but we'll just kind of lay it out. And I, we'll, I don't mind calling one guy's name out. It's well, pretty bad what he was doing. But, uh, yeah, so recently Mossy Oak put out an article, and they had a uh, podcast concerning this, and they really have an article that details what happened, and I was unaware of it until I got to reading. Uh, but the largest wild turkey poaching arrest in history happened in the great state of Mississippi uh, here over the last year. I believe it took place. I think the, the, there was a sting operation that went on for oh, over yeah. the course of a couple of years. Yeah, there was a sting operation. So it's located in Franklin County, Mississippi. Uh, small population county. It's like less than 9,000 people. And uh, the, some rumors were going around. You know, we're hearing so-and-so can kill this many deer, this many turkeys. He's like the, the perfect, you know, hunter. And I'll say his, he was the ringleader. His name was Kenneth Ray Britt, Jr. of Wesson, Mississippi. Uh, so once law enforcement started hearing these things, they decided to do some investigating, and they realized that this was not uh, people driving out shooting turkeys off the roost or anything, that this was an advanced network of breaking the law. To include, there were 10 to 11 poachers. They all would text each other, and one of their calling signs, one of the things they did was they would park a truck at, say, 40 acres of private land that they had access to, and somebody would pick them up and then move them down the road to the land they really wanted to hunt. Um, so a number of landowners started talking about how they don't have turkeys and stuff, and the turkeys are getting too smart. And what was really happening is turkeys were getting poached off of them. And I, I'll find some numbers here to give you guys uh, an idea of just how big of an operation it was. First off, there were 20 officers and three teams with the MDWFP that did a raid on these houses. And when they were there, they took memory cards, game cameras, cell phones, anything that could be used in the illegal taking of a turkey. And after going through the evidence, uh, real quick I need to say this, there's only a two-year statute of limitations on wild game violations. Really? Yeah. That's so good. That's actually good. So enough. they immediately took the uh, info and started looking for the 2018-2019 hunting seasons, getting as much evidence as they could. Once they started doing some investigating, they found that these guys not only were poaching turkeys in the state of Mississippi, but they had branched out to Nebraska and Kansas. And they discovered that three of the poachers had killed 26 turkeys in Nebraska and Kansas in a 72-hour period. Text revealed they had a contest amongst themselves who could kill the most turkeys, and the, quote, winner had killed nine. Well, wait, wait, let me stop real quick. Yeah. By transporting birds across state lines, too, that violates the Lacey Act, right? I believe so. It doesn't specifically say that here. Uh, but they also were able to approve, and they, they point out in their article that prove is only the ones they had airtight evidence on. There were many others they could not. But they were able to prove 70 illegal turkey kills in the state of Mississippi from February to April on 15 different pieces of private land. 
so total, it was 100 illegal turkey kills across. This actually says Mississippi, Kansas, and Oklahoma, but I'm telling you it says Nebraska earlier in the article. Uh, but anyway, these guys amassed $100,000 in fines. The ringleader got $37,000 plus in fines. And he was banned from hunting for five years. Uh, but one of the things they pointed out that was, was pretty terrible of them is one of the poachers was less than remorseful and said that a $500 fine for trespassing is much cheaper than a hunting camp membership these days. Good grief. So he just basically admitted, like, yeah, this is what I do. I jump a fence, I kill a turkey, you get me, you get me. It's, it's cheaper than joining a camp. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's got to be, I guess we call that the idiots of the week. Uh, I, I don't understand. Well, or to, or, now, to be fair, mm-hmm. the guy's not wrong. No, that's right. Now. It is cheaper. It's cheaper. All right. Now, morality-wise, that's, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Now. That, to me, that opens up a whole a whole another discussion. We're not charged. Obviously, we're not hurting people's wallets as much as we should be when it comes to, to doing something like that. I think you know. Now I'm not talking about the guy that that doesn't check his bird in in a certain amount of time or his deer in in a certain amount of time. But something as egregious as this, the fine should have been way. Way worse. Yeah, we're we're talking about up to a hundred birds is what they had proof of. So the fines were about a thousand dollars a bird, um, which is not really going to stop somebody that's jumping fences and shooting birds. Right. Um, and it, it notes in the article that there's other states that have much tougher penalties than what we have. And even one of the uh, conservation officers was quoted in there saying, "We stack fines on top of these guys because unfortunately." You know, one or two fines is not going to be enough to deter someone. Yeah. Well, Josh, what's uh, what's it like in Tennessee as far as fine wise for something like, you know, killing more birds than you're allotted? Do you know off the top of your head? Oh, I have no idea. I know when um, now I had a, and I've mentioned this a while back on the podcast. I had a friend that killed a deer in Louisiana this year. And he did not. He failed to check his deer in on the uh, on the app before I guess before the end of the day. And his wife posted a picture of the deer on social media, and he got like a I want to say it's a couple thousand dollars worth of fines from the wildlife department in Louisiana. So I mean that's for not checking a deer in. We're talking about killing hundreds of turkeys, you know, uh, illegally. Um, now, if, if I'm correct, I believe turkeys are federal, right? Yeah, I believe they're a federal. That's party. right. That's right. So, so they're looking at jail time then. I don't think they got it. I'm not sure how they didn't get it. Uh, but Is this a case of these guys knew somebody that knew somebody that owed somebody some money, so they didn't? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I know that they really, I mean, if you think about it, they, they really didn't get much. I mean, they, they trespassed. Had to be hundreds of times across multiple states. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying $100,000 isn't a lot of money, but split up, there were 10 or 11 poachers total between them. So, yeah, it's you, not as bad as you would you're think. You're talking about $10,000 worth of fines, and then what is a, it, it can't, can't go hunting for so long. One or, guy got a five year ban on hunting. Uh, one of the states I saw that had different rules, I think they said Oklahoma, was if you get caught, doing that i want to say yeah okay mississippi's fine for trespassing is 500 it was two thousand dollars in oklahoma mm-hmm. and if you're hunting and you're trespassing it is a one-year hunting ban wow all right now you, you mentioned something earlier before we got on air that was a really frustrating part about it how much of that money actually goes to the department of wildlife the state of mississippi's wildlife and fisheries group is going to get one thousand dollars out of the hundred thousand I have no idea how that works. I'm sure there's some kind of law written that, you know, fines go into some general fund. But they're only going to get about $1,000 reco- to go towards MDWFP. And I guarantee you that the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks in Mississippi spent well over $1,000 in their yes. investigation trying to catch these guys to begin with. So they're not going to even recoup the money that they spent catching the guys. No, they're not. Yeah. And that's I think that's a problem we have. Absolutely, it's a problem we have with our wildlife department of wildlife. 
because you think about all the fines that are given out every day, every year. Not enough of that's going back into back into the fund. So, well, Josh, did turkey season open yesterday in Tennessee? Yes, it opened yesterday in Tennessee. I'm actually in Louisiana um, now. I came down to visit some family, and a friend of mine had a wedding. I told her it better not be in turkey season, so I can make it. So I came down for a wedding, and I stayed here for a couple of days. And funny here with the guys that actually got me into turkey hunting. And uh, we had a pretty good hunt this morning. Uh, we didn't actually, we didn't kill a bird, but we had a pretty good morning just hanging out and working birds and, you know, just gathering old friendship again and all that fun stuff. So Yeah, I saw your um, post on uh, Facebook a few hours ago that showed you with those two guys. Uh, have you had any success turkey hunting this year? No, that was my first hunting season. Oh, okay. Well, it's going about like season. mine is. No bird. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even. I didn't even tell the duck. I just went there. Uh, like I said, those guys put me on my first bird. They worked them in, and uh, I was the one that carried the gun that time. And this time here, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be the one that calls for those guys, and it didn't work out. So I still got. I still got some redemption to do. So we'll get it together. We'll figure it out. But uh, I'll head back to Tennessee. Um, probably after this weekend. I got a buddy of mine. I just got a phone with him a minute ago. He's in Mississippi and. I, uh, he's been trying to get a bird, and I told him I'd come up there and work a bird for him and try and get him to kill a bird, and, and I'll get back up to Tennessee, and I'll go kill my birds, Tennessee, and pass that, I'll shoot down to uh, Oklahoma. I go hunt Oklahoma and Texas, and that'll be my season. How long does turkey season last in Tennessee? Uh, I think we are six weeks. Uh, maybe so six weeks middle, everywhere. It's just different start dates. Middle. Yeah. Now, the guy you talked to in Mississippi, that, that wasn't Toller, was it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, it was not Toller. Toller's on my, uh, Toller's on my to not hunt with list right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Toller. Toller's like a, Toller's like a little brother that I never wanted. I think Toller's younger than me. Toller's like a little brother I never wanted when it comes to hunting. We, uh, we get along great together. That joker would come in and shoot him up and he did in a heartbeat. <laughs> he, uh, I don't really know Tuller that well. I saw him on your, on your social media stuff a while back. But he he played baseball at Mississippi College and 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 you know I coach at William Carey, so we we play them just about every year. And I remember him as a player, and uh, which I remember him when he was in high school. I'd, I'd watched him play a couple of games when I was out recruiting. So I, I saw that on there. And I was like, man, that, that's, that's pretty neat. You, you come down here and hunt with him, but. Um, you know, we went, I guess, two weeks ago. And, you know, since we were talking about jumping fences and poaching and stuff, we, we heard of several different birds the morning that I went. And uh, I had my cousin with me, and he was calling. And they, I guess the birds were hinned up. We, we never even got a – we never even put eyes on a bird. But several different birds gobbling, and they all went on to our neighbor's place. And, man, it would have been so easy to just – hop a fence and, and go over and kill one but I don't know thinking about that story with all those guys killing those birds all across the south that's just not in me I can't do that I wouldn't feel right about it I wouldn't feel good about it if I did kill a bird that way so um, but man the Mississippi turkey season is heating up I'm seeing a lot of people put birds in the dirt right now so especially this weekend we saw a lot yeah this weekend was fantastic so um, I was in Georgia all weekend, just got back last night, so kind of depressed that I didn't go kill a bird this weekend. But when uh, you said you're going to make a, a trip to Mississippi, when's that going to be? Uh, I talked to him. I, said, I just got phoned a minute ago. I, he's going to go up there this weekend. So I just think I'm going to go up there probably Friday afternoon and try and roost one. And hopefully we'll have a bird in the dirt on Saturday. Like I said, I'm, I'm not even hunting. Um, I'm just going up there to call for him and try and work a bird for him. Yeah. And then. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll get back to Tennessee and I'll still hunt my birds. You know, for me, like, I I love killing birds for myself, but I love being in the company of friends and we can cut up and have a good time, work birds. And, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all, that's what it all falls down to, you know, just being able to sit there with somebody, work a bird, bird hammer, and then come and put on a show. And, you know, if you pull the trigger, the next person pull the trigger. I mean, that's what it's all about for me. I, I'll be honest, man. I've never killed a turkey, so I want to be the trigger man when I go. I'm just, that's just being completely honest. 
Um, You've never killed a turkey? I've never, I never have because, all right, so I've been in college baseball now for 18 years. So, oh, I, yeah, it's, it's right during turkey season. I've never had a spring break and I've never had a legitimate turkey season. So, you know, I might get to go one or two times a year. Um, and, you know, you know as well as I do, it, turkey hunting's a lot harder than deer hunting. You can't just go one or two times a year and think you're going to kill a bird. So, uh, especially when you got, I've noticed this about turkey hunters too. They're a lot more tight lipped than deer hunters. They're not going to tell you, hey, man, I've seen a pretty good buck down there. Because there's not as many turkeys. That's right. So, <laughs> well, there can't be as many turkeys when we got poachers running around killing 100 yeah. birds a year in Mississippi. So, um, but yeah, so turkey hunting has eluded me all of these years. But, when I go and I get to hear birds, to me, like you were saying, man, it is way, 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 way more fun than deer hunting. Um, just being in the company of people, listening. I enjoy listening to people call because I'm I'm so bad at it that when I hear it done right, it, it just I don't know. It makes me tingle, I guess. Um, well, you can just think about turkey hunting. You don't have to be a great caller to kill a turkey. That's what everybody keeps saying, but I haven't killed a turkey, so. <laughs> well, I mean, really hunting two days a two days a year. I mean, you know, it kind of plays to effect too. Right. Hey, speaking of calling turkeys, Josh, what's your go-to? You diaphragm call, slate. <laughs> oh, natural voice. Oh, see, that's impressive. We got to get a demo of that. You're really a natural voice guy. Huh? You you really do it with your natural voice? Yeah, that's so my natural voice calling style. I got known in the hunting industry. That's how I got my whole show following, notoriety, everything. Um, it's because I call me just about any animal with my natural voice. Okay, well, now I got to put you on the spot. I mean, <laughs> we got to hear something. Wait, did you not research you your interview for a podcast? Say it again. I'm sorry. Did you not interview your, who your? Did you not research who you're interviewing for a podcast? I saw one article about it, but I didn't go in detail with it. Now Matt did. Matt knew all this. I did not. I was segueing into you and your calling because I wanted to get you to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving you guys a hard time. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, for me, let's just see. I'll do a uh, do a basic Kenyo. That's good. Oh, That's man. good. Kudos to you, man. I can't do it with a call. No, I, 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 no, I say that. I mean, I do run natural voice a lot. Um, some mornings my voice just isn't where, where I want it to be. Um, that's like this morning um, we hunted, and um, on the way to the spot, um, I'll, I'll go through my routine of calling on the way to the location where we're hunting, you know, my vocal cords, just to warm it up and all get stuff. Just kind of like a singer. And I just wasn't, I was not feeling it this morning, so I threw a diaphragm in this morning. I ran a diaphragm, and, you know, I, I love running a diaphragm. It's one of those things that, you know, <laughs> you can do a lot of different pitches and tones and cadence with it that I can't do with my natural voice. But... I can I can come pretty close to a diaphragm or a box call my natural voice though. Um, when those mornings are right and my voice is crisp, and I, I can just I can stay right up there with the best stuff I'm gonna call. And you can and you can how far? What's the furthest bird you've pulled down away? You think? Just calling with your natural voice. It depends. It depends on a, on a day. Um, like I I'll go out off my cans and it's so windy out there, like. Mm-hmm. I could probably F first 80 to 50 yards. He'll hear me with my natural voice. But it just depends on the situation. Like, if it's a, like, calm bluebird day, 150, 200 yards, bird will hear me, hear me. Oh, man. All right. Now, the thing that makes it even more unique, and and the reason I want to get into this, because I think you, you're an inspiration to a lot of other people, is the fact that, you're a paraplegic, and you and you do all this. Um, kind of, man. Tell us, tell us how that works, because um, I can't imagine uh, the, the the level of difficulty 
to do what you do uh, just based off my own experience in the outdoors it's difficult enough as it is so take, can I take us through that if you don't mind man I'm not going to sit here lie to you if you feel like you're having a hard time hunting as a quote unquote able bodied person it's ten times worse for me right um, like I went to I was like that we hunted this morning I came back down to a spot where um, I kind of grew up hunting and um, I went there to look at it, and I couldn't even get into the place because there was a ditch that had to be crossed, and I just can't cross a ditch to get to where I need to go. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of level of difficulty when it comes to hunting out of a chair, um, but I do have equipment that helps me get into the outdoors. I have a machine called an action track chair, and it, it's a, an electric wheelchair, but it has, like, um, tracks on it, like Bobcat or Bulldozer. It has tracks on it. Right. So it allows me to get into places that I can't get to my with my normal chair. But still, there's a level of difficulty that comes with that. Um, but it makes it so much easier for me to access places that I wouldn't be able to hunt normal. Right. Um, I, I, there are situations that I should not have taken it into, but, you know, that's what they're built for. And, you know... It gets me to where I need to be to make sure my hunt goes to death for, you know, I have a good time in the outdoors regardless of my situation. And I think that's what's amazing, too, is it's so easy to, to be down and out about things or, or the whole woe is me mm-hmm. mentality. And then you see people out doing it, man, that just, you know, they, they, their situation is less than desirable, but they're getting it done either way. And for me, man, seeing what you're doing is very inspiring, um, not just from a hunting standpoint, but from a life standpoint. Uh, how, how long have you been confined to the chair? Uh, 2005, April 17, 2005. Um, I was actually shot turkey hunting. And the funny story is, turkey is my favorite thing to hunt. Even though I was shot turkey hunting, like that is my bread butter when it comes down or not favorite thing to hunt i mean i guess i guess it's a love-hate relationship at some point but you know that's just my go-to thing it's just it's it's something about turkey hunting that just makes me feel more alive each and every day um knowing that that the reason that i'm in a wheelchair is because of turkey hunting you know every time that i go out there like i respect that animal so much more so when i do have the opportunity to kill one or call one in for somebody else I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a matter of me appreciating everything that I've had to go through and get to, to that kill or that harvest for that moment. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, look, Josh, I, this year I've turkey hunted, and I haven't even seen a gobbler. I've had some hammering in the woods, but nothing close to me. But I had three hens come within about 12 feet of me the first morning I hunted. And I was shook up for an hour. Like, you know, I get that adrenaline rush yeah. because I knew I was like, they're going to see me. And they didn't. They did not figure out what mm-hmm. I was. But I was thinking afterwards, I was like, you know, I usually don't get that pumped up over a doe walking oh, by me. Man. Oh, man. I got three hens and you're on the ground level with them. And they come, yeah. you know, they come around, little cluck here and there. And, you know, they're making that noise. And you're just like, man, I am it's sitting out in the open. But it worked out. I was, they did not see me up against the tree. And that, that's amazing. Did you know, here's the funny thing. Like, to go with what you just said so for me when it comes to turkey hunting like hens like I, I, I find kind of cool collective but when it comes to me turkey hunting with a bow I cannot do it I, I freak out so bad I shake so bad I cannot do it but going back to the fact that you said does like I can sit there and see a buck in the field and be kind cool collective and my mission is kill it deer but let a doe come out at 20 yards and I gotta go I shake like a leaf Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is about it, but it's, I mean, like, we all target that, that big trophy male or the turkey or uh, buck. So those does or those hens have seen all of those, you know, toms or bucks die. So, like, they're more alert than anything. Like, they're looking for things that aren't natural. So, like, so when it comes to that time to harvest one of those animals, like, they've seen it all already. Like, you have to be just... I get more aware when you're hunting an animal like that that is, you know, watch, you know, the other deer get shot or the other turkey get shot because, you know, they kind of know the game. So, like, it's kind of like a game of cat, mouse, or chess at that point. 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, archery. I've never tried it turkey hunting, but I, I love archery hunting deer. And to this day, I mean, I'm 38, and I know on October 1st, if, I, if I'm hunting and I draw back on a doe, I'm going to be shook after I release that arrow, even on a doe, because it's just different with archery. Well, for, for me, if I don't get really excited, something's wrong. Yeah. It doesn't matter for me whether I'm shooting at a doe or a buck or a turkey or whatever if i'm in the woods and it doesn't get my blood pumping then why am i there you know well going back to those guys that had the largest turkey poaching deal in history how do you enjoy that when you can't share it with people right like i like it i like sharing stuff I mean, everybody jokes on me because i'll kill a big deer and, oh i saw your pictures on facebook you know but like i like sharing that with people or taking pictures at the location it happened at you can't do any of that the way they're doing that. No, well, and that's what I've said for, for a while at camp. Like, I won't shoot a buck that I can't tell everybody about Yeah. because I want to be able to brag about it. But I have shot a buck before I don't. I didn't want to brag about. Well, that, that <laughs> happens. That happens, but you got, but you got to eat it. Yeah. You know, I mean, number one, that animal deserves to be celebrated too um, because, I mean, it died for you. So if you can't get excited about it, you can't share it with your buddies, and you shouldn't kill it anyway. But... Um, Oh, man, yeah, I, I, I totally get the excitement of it. Now, you're talking about shooting turkeys with a bow. And Hunter, uh, the other guy that does the show with us, that's what he's doing this year. He's just taking a bow all year long. And I, I don't even know how, like, I don't see how you can even make that work. Because I, I can't I can't figure out how you're drawing the bow back where the bird doesn't see you. And and blind. Do you hunt out of a blind, Josh? With a shotgun, no. I mean, I, so I'll be a hundred percent honest. I've probably killed three turkeys out of a ground blind since I've turkey hunted, but it's different. So for me, I, I like to run a gun, and that, that sounds very weird. Meaning that you know, a paraplegic, like I, I, I love chasing a bird. Um, so I, I don't want to be in a blind to hunt turkey. I don't, I don't like deer hunting for turkeys. It's just not something that I enjoy. Yeah, um, I've, I've never hunted out of a blind for turkeys. I haven't. I haven't either. Uh, they, they, so, the guys that I've been with, they're a hundred percent. I mean, they're these guys try to do it as natural as you can possibly do it, and you know, it's like you're saying you're running and gunning with them. You're not ever sitting. So, so when it comes to like turkey hunting with a bow, I know some guys that do it without a blind. Like they'll they'll make a, a makeshift blind and brush themselves in. But, I mean, that's still hard. I mean, you have to wait for the bird to, you know, fan out and turn so he can't see you draw. But still, I mean, you're, you're still taking a risk drawing back, you know. He can hear you draw back. Or, like, he can make a move or a twig snap, stuff like that. There's a lot of variables that put the drawing your bow back on the turkey compared to, you know, shooting with a shotgun. So I've got to ask this because I haven't seen it anywhere. Have you ever met Preston Pittman? I've been around for us at many a times. Okay, I, th I thought I thought you probably had. Um, it's, it's when you're talking about getting getting shot turkey hunting and everything. I'm sure you, he's told you his his tur uh, stories from when he got shot turkey hunting down here. You know, a, a lot of people a lot of people don't a lot of people don't put the time into verifying their target when it comes to turkey hunting, and that's just the the, the flat out honest truth about turkey hunting. That's why it's probably one of the most dangerous hunting situations compared to, you know, dangerous game animals in Africa. But, you know, for turkeys, a lot of people get so trigger happy about shooting a bird that they don't really focus on the target. They don't go back to the fundamentals of identifying the target shooting. And then now that people are going on this craze about reaping turkeys, I mean, that makes it so much easier for someone to get shot because, you know, people are going to see a fan and they're going to be like, okay, well, there's a bird attached to that fan somewhere, so let me just shoot that direction, hope that it kill a bird. So, I mean, when it comes to things like that, you know, it all goes back to people not going back to the fundamentals of, let me identify my target before I shoot. So, turkey, it, it, it's, it's one of the, I think it's one of the greatest sports out there. But it's also so dangerous when there's a lot of trigger happy people just wanting to kill a bird. That's like your guys going back to your guys that are just going out there coaching and shoot birds. 
you know, those guys could have ran up on people um, on those lands that they had permission to hunt, and those guys could have ran and shot their decoys, and the pattern could have went past the decoys and shot those hunters. I mean, I've seen several situations where someone would stick up the decoys and shoot the decoys, and it's the hunters behind the decoys. Hmm. You know, just people don't take the time to verify their target. And don't get me wrong, they make some decoys nowadays that look realistic as hell. So, I mean, I, I get it. So, you know, I, I get it how people can see uh, fanned out, you know, shutter decoy, you know, one of the Avian X's or, you know, the Dave Smith. I mean, they look real. They look like a real bird. But it just all goes down to the matter of fact that you must identify the target before pulling the trigger. You can never call a shot bash. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I, I see the fan stuff. I don't know. I, th- I think I'd be pretty wary of a f- of carrying a fan. That's just me. Uh, I can't imagine walking into the woods with 140 inches of antlers strapped to my top of my shoulders. You know, and that's when you get a fan and you get behind that thing, you're basically like, it's, yeah. it's like having a 140 inch deer. But Brandon had a fan the other day when we went. And Did he? That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, man, I'm glad we're on private land right now. I wouldn't do it on public land. Well, and that was another thing. Like, all right, so Josh, we're in we're in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, South Mississippi. It's great turkey hunting around here, um, and we've got the DeSoto National Forest, I, and I couldn't tell you how many acres it is, but there's a lot of guys that go turkey hunting over there, and I am absolutely petrified of going in that in those woods during turkey season, just from the mm-hmm. stories that I'm I've heard from other people. I'm like, man, I just, like, it's not worth it to me to go in there and, and have to, you know, be fearful of what's going to happen to me, and, I, and that goes the same way during deer season down here. Like I, I will go bow hunting to Southern National Forest, but when when rifle season begins in Mississippi, I say goodbye to public land down here. Just for yep. there's just been too many accidents through the years. Um, and I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and even like I completely agree with that. So I hunted last year. So I hunted last year on public land in Tennessee. But when it comes to hunting public land, I want to hunt those bow hunting only spots mm-hmm. because for me I'm limited to ground and that's all I can do I don't want to sit there on the edge of a field some yahoo is sending lead out fields because they see deer 400 yards away like I don't want to be in that situation so I put myself in a situation where I'm comfortable but it's still challenging for me so I have to bow hunt on the ground out of a bow chair on public land, like I'm making myself challenged, like I'm challenging myself to these elements, but it's for like I feel safe and secure knowing that when I go on public land, I don't have to worry about being shot with high fire rifle or, or anything like that because I know that there's rules that are set place for that area that you're supposed to only hunt with both. So I'm not worried about a guy climbing up, you know, 100 yards away from me, worried about a crossbow boat or an arrow slinging over the top of my head. Josh, were you? Did you happen to be hunting Fort Campbell? No, uh, I was hunting uh, Percy Priest Lake. Okay, I used to hunt Fort Campbell when I was in the army, and there's some archery only areas. You know, you just did the call in and you try to get you a spot and everything. I never turkey hunted; I only deer hunted there. But it had some really good hunting. I, I hear good things about Fort Campbell. I, uh, it, it's from the Tennessee and Kentucky side. I hear some really good things about Fort Campbell. So, Ben, you talked about if you shoot the wrong one, you just got to eat it. Yeah. My first time to hunt, opening day of archery season, which is in September at Fort Campbell, uh, I had like four different hunters cross my path, in, and I'm up a tree by like 8 o'clock. And so later that morning, I ha- I'm sorry, that afternoon, I have a deer come by, and I know it's a smaller buck, but he's been shot. I can see big gash on top of his back strap where he'd been shot, and somebody shot a little too high. I was so discouraged by the amount of hunters I'd seen, I was like, this is never going to work, because I remember it taking me 30 minutes just to get a spot on the phone. So I took him, and I pull up to the check-in station, and there's like a 12-year-old kid with like a 17-point buck. And I had, I had like a 170-pound six-point, and I felt pretty small. But I still, hey, look, I'm still proud of that deer, considering all the people I had walk up under me that day. Uh, but yeah, but, Fort Campbell's but, something else. It's nice. The way, the way I, so the way I look at that situation, 
I don't feel like, as a sportsman, I don't feel like you made the wrong decision because that deer had already been shot by another hunter, so there's no need for that animal to suffer. So, personally, I don't feel like you made a bad decision on that one. You know, The only regret I had is it's one buck, one doe. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but, like, how would you, how would you have felt? So, like, they think you did not shoot that deer, and you seen that he was shot, gaping wound, and you let that deer walk. I mean, that would, I feel like that would play in the back of your head yeah. for so many days. Even if you killed another deer, you didn't kill another deer. I feel like that would still play in the back of your mind at some point. Well, hey man, uh, I've got something I want to talk to you about. But we got to take a quick break, real qu- just just for a second. And when we come back, I know you don't want to. I know you live in Nashville now, and you want to claim to be a Tennessean. But I'm going to get you back to Louisiana roots here in just a second. So we'll hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, I want to talk about some Gator stuff. I'm Travis T. Bone Turner, co-host of Bone Collector, and a proud member of Whitetails Unlimited. Do you have buck fever? You can ease the pain by holding or attending a Whitetails banquet in your neck of the woods. These action-packed events offer great food and prizes, guns galore, and so much more. 50 cents out of every net dollar raised is spent on projects in your hometown. Go to our website to find events and a field director for your area. Get started today and find a cure for that old buck fever. And oh, Lord, it makes me smile. Wow, Bill, your sauce makes my baby hot. You nailed that son, this sauce really hits the spot. So grab your chicken, shrimp, boiled eggs, pizza, or a big poke chop. I'm gonna need that back. White Bill, your sauce makes my baby hot. Put your bills on it. Go check out Wild Bill's Sauce on Instagram or on the web at wildbillsauce.com. If you'll enter the promo code CAMO, you'll get 25% off your purchase. Once again, that's wildbillsauce.com, promo code CAMO. Looking for a lightweight rubber boot that doesn't break the bank but will stand up to the harshest conditions? Check out Light Boots, L-I-T-E. A pair of men's size 11s weighs less than 26 ounces but has enough built-in insulation to keep your feet warm in the coldest of temperatures. Visit lightboots.com and use the promo code EDWARD22 when you check out for free shipping. Once again, that's lightboots.com. Promo code EDWARD22. All right, we're back with Josh Carney from Son of the South TV. Um, man, before we went to the break, I told you I was going to get you back to your Louisiana roots. Um, Louisiana and Mississippi both have alligator seasons but are entirely different. Now, you did some, uh, you did a show with Swamp People not too long ago, I think. Um, now, in Mississippi, the way we have to do it, we have to, well, you get you put in for a draw, right? And if, you, if you're fortunate enough to get drawn, you get two tags. Uh, and this is public land water. Um, you, can, you can kill an alligator over seven foot and one in that four to seven foot range. Or I guess you could take two in the four to seven foot range. But you only get one over the seven foot range. And the way we have to take them here is you have to catch them on a rod and reel. Uh, you have to harpoon them, or you can shoot them with like bow fishing equipment. Um, you have to, when you catch the gator, say you catch it with a rod and reel, which is the way we do it. We have a big, treble, big weighted treble hook. You know, you go at night, you shine the gator, you cast your treble hook across the gator, you're snagging them. And then you, we, we get a, uh, oh, what do you call it, around its neck, a harness, uh, what's that thing called? A snare. Oh. You get a snare, we snare it. You know, secure the alligator, and then we dispatch him with a shotgun. Um, I think you have to have like number six shot uh, in your shotgun, and that's the way we do alligator hunting here. Well, Louisiana, I know you guys, you have the tagging system, um, and I guess your tags are based off of how much water you can actually hunt. Is that accurate? Correct. So, um, a lot of tags are based on. Um, so for, for where I hunt, where I've been hunting here, um, it's landowner, how much 
land waterfront property have, and they give you a base estimate on how many gators they feel like it's in that area that need to be taken out. So that's how they apply the tags. Um, now we can get some areas. I mean, I, I remember some years we've had you know eighty to hundred tags, and we had to get all of those tags filled, or we didn't get those tags the next year. Yeah. So how many acres are you talking that, about? I said it one more time. I didn't hear you. How many acres are you talking about? Eighty to hundred tags. It just it just depends on it just depends on the waterway. Um, you know, it, it could go for fifteen twenty miles. It just depends on the waterway or how much land is granted to that. I mean, that what uh, does Mississippi grant a couple that, hundred for the whole state or something? It's not many. There's not. They do some private land tags in Mississippi, but it's not. Yeah, but it's the, not near to the degree that Louisiana does. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I'm just behind on Louisiana stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I think that, I think that the way that Mississippi's working, knowing that it is public land hunting, I feel like they won't give out as many tags because it is a. You guys are draw system a lottery. Is that correct? Right. Okay, I, I feel like with it being a lottery or a draw system, you know, they want those people to apply for those tags so it can raise funds for whatever goes into the conservation of hunting alligators in the six. So I think that's why they do it like that. So the way we do it in Louisiana, you know, we have X amount of water from property and they have X amount of gators that have to be taken out of that um, just to control the population. Um, but it's mainly private land. It's mainly land that is granted to um, a landowner, so that landowner gets those tags, and they can distribute those tags out to um, helpers, which would be the people that are actually going out and catching those gators. And it, it just depends. So we can have you know one spot that has maybe a ten acre lake on it, and let's say that ten acre lake has forty five alligators in that ten acre lake, but we may only get four tags for that lake. Then we go to another piece of property land on the head, um, 100 miles worth of river for a property, and, you know, the fishing game say, okay, well, you have X amount of gators here. We need X amount taken out. So we may get, you know, 60 tags for that piece of property. So it just depends on how much water for a property you have and the estimate of gators in that spot. And... Like I said, like I'm going to go back to, you get that certain amount of tags that fishing aid bill need to be taken out. It's kind of like it's kind of like DMAP. If you're familiar with DMAP, mm-hmm. it's kind of like DMAP. You have X amount of deer that need to be taken out of that zone, and if you don't fill those tags, well, you don't get those tags next year. Right. So it's kind of thanks to yeah, it's um, a use them or lose them kind of deal, and 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 they're not going to yeah. mer- or give you those the next year if you don't fill them. But yeah, Correct. so it's important to fill them. Yeah, I I really don't think that we're too terribly far from something similar in Mississippi. Um, we issued 985 permits last year. 985 across the state. There's 985 alligators in a square mile, no, a couple square miles in some areas. No, there is. <laughs> and, the, and the bad thing about the way we do it is, okay, so we issued 985 permits. There are a lot of those people that put in for for the alligator hunt that either don't have a boat, they don't have means, they don't know what they're doing, and we're not filling all of those tags year to year. And I think I think that's you know the the gator season in Mississippi is is booming. I mean it's a, it's a it's a big deal now, but I don't think we're getting the tags in the right people's hands year to year because we've i mean we've got entirely too many alligators now um now one thing i I do want to ask you because i've always been curious i've watched the swamp people show or i used to watch the swamp people show i used to watch it a lot before i really got into alligator hunting now when we catch an alligator on a rod and reel let him pull you around for you know 15 20 minutes whatever it is before you finally snare him and, and tie him up and shoot him now they (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to put this without getting you in trouble. They will put up a little bit of a fight at the boat, but usually they're fairly docile after they've been pulling you around for 15, 20 minutes. Now, when I watch swamp people, 
and I know it's television, right? So you got to make it as entertaining as possible. When those now those gators, I've never and I've never hooked one. I've never had one where we hooked him, you know, and he swallowed some chicken and he's got a hook in his belly all night. So I don't know how ticked off that alligator would be. Are they really as as pissed off as they seem to be on TV? <laughs> um, I'm gonna answer this without answering this in a, uh, in a way to get the truck. <laughs> they um, just lie, man. <laughs> Absolutely, they're that aggressive. <laughs> when they come out the water, yeah, bite your limb off. That every one of them is at least a thousand pounds. Every single one of them. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Like the, on the TV show, I, I was watching it. I was in a hotel room last year. I can't even remember where I was at. And uh, swamp people came and I was watching it with a couple other guys. And, and they were like, oh, yeah, Troy has got a, a, a 12-footer on the line here. And they shoot this gator, right, and they roll him into the boat. And it's like Troy and one other guy. How'd they get him in the boat? I'm like – Man, I've rolled a 12-foot alligator in the boat with five of us before, and it was a hell of a lot of work. That gator ain't 12-foot, cuz. So, I don't know. I think what they do is really cool. I'd love to go with them to see how it's done because, we, like I said, we do it so different here. But, I mean, on TV, it, it, it looks way cooler on TV than it does when I go. Here's, here's, here's the thing, and, like, I, I will say this now. 100% those guys are actually out there catching gators. That's for their job. They are actually doing that. That's just 100% truth to it. Right. And, and, and let me break it down to a, to a T. It is reality TV and it has to be entertaining. So there are going to be things that are in there for the hype of it. Right. Um, but that is how I mean that's how the show is made. It's just like if you go and watch you know, any other reality TV show, they have to do those things to keep that audience engaged and keep them active in that show. So the, the, the hunters are doing their job. They're not going through and being actors. They're being real life gator hunters and they're doing their job. Right. Okay. When it comes to TV production, the production company is actually doing their job and their job is to make those hunters look like they have a um, extreme lifestyle in the swamp and they do a great job of that. No, uh, Am I going to say of that is how it actually goes when it comes to gator hunting and being in the swamps of Louisiana and all that stuff? I'm, no, it, I mean, it, a lot of stuff is hyped up and built because it's reality TV. Right. But there are there are some a lot of situations that do happen there, though, so, that are as real as possible. I mean, like, there's some situations that you can't make up and produce no matter how you try to do it. Now, now, tell me this. When you're hooking gators like that, or they're swallowing the hook, to me, the, the way we do it, because you've got them snared, you've, I mean, you've got them locked down at the boat before you ever shoot the gun. All right? For them... I mean, it, it, to me, I could be wrong. You can correct me. It just seems like you've got a hold of a trot line string in one hand and you've got a shotgun in the other hand. And that would be, I mean, that's, there's some danger to that. There's a lot of things that could go wrong with that, you know, to me. So, so I, I've, I've gator hunted for years. And in a sense, there, there are dangerous factors when it comes to gator hunting. But it all goes on to your person handling that line and handling that gator. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just like those guys that are professional steak handlers. They understand the situation. They know how to handle a gator. They know how to work that line and know when to pull and when not to pull. So it's a relationship of you trusting that person handling the gator or handling that line and you being the shooter and doing your job when he pulls the gator up. It's your turn at pinpoint where to shoot that gator and dispatch it as fast as possible, or you're going to get those gator rolls, those splashes, those thrash, and all that stuff that you see on small people. That's when the alligator is actually agitated. He's pissed off. Like, he's not wanting to be on that line anymore. So, when you get those things, those action shots, and those gators are fighting and all that stuff, that's actually because they are, they've worked that gator to that point. Now, you will get some gators that are fresh, and they have just hit that line. So when you pull them up, they're ready to fight. I mean, I'm not going to say 
every gator that we pull up is just like, okay, you know, he pops into the surface and you shoot him. That's not the case. You're going to have those gators that are super fresh when you pull into the surface. Like, he's ready to go, especially if he's a big gator. Like, he doesn't want anything to do with being pulled up to the surface against his will. Like, as an animal, it is his job to escape danger. So, when you get those situations when those gators are fighting, splashing, and thrashing, and you get the cameras all in its face, and, like, the gator is, you know, biting at the camera, stuff like that, they're making that animal do that. You know, that's not not a normal action for the animal. They're, they're, They're making it for TV. Well, we had one one night. We we caught a twelve we caught a twelve footer one night, and he pulled us around for for quite a while before we got him to the boat. And we got the snare on him, and, and we had harpooned him one time too. And and he started rolling at the boat, and he lurched up and bit the uh, like the rubber bumper thing that goes around a boat, and he just peeled it all the way down off the left side of the boat. And I was like, man, this is just like Swamp People. Finally, I had it. The owner people. of the boat was not having a good time. It was Matt Alliston. So he was probably not happy with that. Uh, I, I, Matt's so easygoing. You can't, you can't shake him. So, but, and we'll have to get him on the show sooner or later because he's the gator guy, man. Well, Josh, what is your favorite outside of turkey hunting? What's your favorite hunting? <laughs> oh, man. If anybody ever sees me on social media, they will always say my favorite thing next to turkey honey is chicken is chasing middle aged women that have um, five hundred acres left more. <laughs> Wait, that's a given. Okay, so wild game animals. <laughs> have you been successful in that venture? <laughs> Man, I'm still working at it. <laughs> Nashville Nashville ought to be full of women like that, right? Yeah, but they don't have property. They always play guitar. Live in a subdivision. They got a quarter acre lot. Yeah. Yeah. Before you answer Matt's question about favorite thing to do other than turkey hunting, I did see that you've done some, some hand grabbing in the past. Yeah, so that that in itself is a story. Um, <laughs> my friend Allison, um, she goes out to hand grabs. I mean, I love her, love her death. Great girl. She actually is, um, I just actually brought her on my team. Uh, so she's going to be doing some work for me. And we're also um, hosting a podcast together um, on my end. So she's a part of my team. And she is just the sweetest girl you'll ever meet. But she is probably one of the craziest girls when it comes to adventures and stuff like that. So uh, last year, you're full eyes. She was like, hey, like, let's go new life. I was like, all right, so let's find you know, let's do it. And whole COVID situation happened. Something didn't work out. So we went to the next year. And as the time gets to where it's time to go noodling, like I'm getting, like I'm getting a little, little nervous. I'm like, well, I don't want to really, like, do I really want to do? Like, do I want to stick my hand in a hole and like get bit by something I don't know? Like, that's not, it's not my cup of tea. Like, it's just, you know, I'd rather really see what I'm after. So I'm, I'm working myself up my head. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. But I'm going to do this. So we get there. It's first day out in the water. We have a fun day. I think we caught maybe four fish. I think I, I caught the last one. And I caught one. And it was the last one. Um, and, like, I was all hyped about it when I first got into it. But then, like, as I started, like, feeling around in holes and, like, figuring out the situation, like, this is not for me. Like, I come from Louisiana. If I stick my hand in a hole, there's liable to be a gator up in there somewhere. Right. So I was I was freaking out mentally about the whole situation, but I was still having fun. So I said I catch a fish, the last fish, and as I pull this fish from underneath this, um, it was a, a boat wrap. I pull a fish from underneath the boat wrap, and there's these um, what we call them uh, water turkeys. You know what I'm talking about? I'm a camarades. Yeah. I think it was called camarades. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they, they will yeah. tear up a fish population. So. We're under, like, we're next to this house, and we're under, like, their roosting trees. And it's probably a thousand birds in these trees around us. So I get the fish, I come out, and we're taking pictures. And, like, while we're sitting there taking pictures, this bird takes the biggest crap of its life, and it spiders <laughs> all of them. Like, all of them. It, it slaps me on top of my head, it cuts me on the top of my lip, and, like, it's on my, like, my friend Carissa, it's on her shoulder. 
like it's all in Allison's hair. And I'm like, look, you know what? That's the way to end a trip. Like I'm, I'm done. Like I don't like I'm done fishing. So I, I just, back. I just pulled that picture up, yep. and you can see it on the girl's shoulder. Oh, Keith, I don't know which picture I posted, but can you see our facial expression? Because like that was in the action. Like the camera was taking pictures, and it just happened. Yes. No, I, you can see it. <laughs> So, so yeah, after the, we 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 go back and um, it, it's one of those moments where like, well, you know, like, you know, say, well, let, let's do it again. We're supposed to do one day, so they're like, let's do it again tomorrow. I think you know what? That's fine. We'll go tomorrow. I don't have nothing to look at. So it's just it's me, Allison, and the guy that guided us, his name Spencer. It's me, Allison, Spencer, and his daughter, and we're all out there. We get to the first hole, and the first hole has two catfish in it. And at this point, like, I'm still worked up from yesterday. So, like, I'm nervous. I'm like, no, I'm just going to sit in the boat and just chill out, enjoy myself. First hole, you guys enjoy. Don't worry about me. And Allison, she's like, no, you're getting out the boat. We're going to throw you in the water and you're going to catch fish. And I agree to it. Don't know why, but I agree to it. <laughs> Man. After, after, the, after this podcast, I'm going to send you a video link. Yeah. It's posted on TikTok. Have you seen the video yet? I have not. Okay. It is probably the funniest video I've ever done because it was so surreal and I was absolutely nervous. I wasn't terrified. I was just nervous. So we get to this hole and it's in the bank. Like it's, it's in the embankment. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on a rock and the fish is underneath the rock that I'm sitting on. And like I said, my face is just about in the bank. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm from Louisiana. Like, there's probably a watermark here, a snake <laughs> up here somewhere. So, and I'm sticking my hand underneath this rock underneath me. And I don't know what's in this hole. It could be a snap of turtle. It could be anything. And have you have you guys ever noodled? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I, I started doing that when I was about I 10. I have not. M- Matt, I'm trying to get Matt to go. So, Matt, so let, me, let me explain it to you like this. So... When you stick your hand in this hole, like you're feeling a very soft, sandy bottom, and it, it just feels clean. It's, it's like you're, it's like you're in the ocean, like say you're, say you're Panama Beach or something like that, and you're in the water, and like it feels that just sand, like there's nothing there. It just feels like sand because the fish have cleaned it out, so it feels natural, like it's nothing yeah. to worry about. And then all of a sudden, your hand fits on something big, gushy, and squishy. <laughs> and you don't know what the hell it is, that's when you freak out. <laughs> and then when that, that big, gushy, and squishy uh, like emerges your hand in its mouth and it feels like somebody slaps your hand in the car door, like that's when you start worrying a little bit. <laughs> so for me, that's what happened. I went in there, and I was I was in character mode. I was like, you know, I'm going to be like Steve Irwin, like I'm going to go in this hole and catch this big, catch, catch this big catfish and blah, blah, blah. And as I'm, like, being in character, this fish bites me. And, like, I completely lose character. And, like, I start freaking out. I went from Steve Irwin and Kevin Hart. Like, I'm freaking out. <laughs> hey, were you with an Allison Hunter on this one? Yeah. That's yeah. the video I'm watching on TikTok right now. Sound off, of course. Okay. But I can see some facial expressions. Listen, it, you have to turn the sound on. And it is the funniest thing you will ever see in your life. I mean, this fish bites me, and Allison, like, did it bite you? I was like, yes, Allison, it bit the hell out of me. Like, it bit the living hell out of me, Allison. And, like, so at this point, I'm like, look, I just want to go back to the boat. Like, I just, like, the boat's 50 yards away. I'm paralyzed. I can't swim. So, like, I got to, like, crawfish my way in the water, like, my butt to the bottom. And the boat's a little too far for me to, like, actually get back to it now. So, like, now I'm stuck. Oh so I can't either get this fish or get this fish. Man, you so, you got to get linked up with Hannah Barron. Have you ever met her? Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been around Hannah Barron. Actually, I, I posted a video. So we were at NWTF uh, this past February, yeah. and I have my track there, and I got a buggy, um, like a little cart, a little cart that goes in the back of the buggy, and uh, there's a video of me, Hannah Barron, in my cart and I'm pulling her around the trade show me I'm pulling her around and we got this dog called um, uh, Prank Dixie it's a blue stick hound 
because she does like all these prayers and tricks. And she's in like a little RC car driving around, following us back. It's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> well, that's what all right, <laughs> we need to do. Because um, hand grabbing season's coming up in about a month. There's a season for mm-hmm. this? Yeah, oh, in Mississippi, it starts like mm-hmm. 1st of May and runs through the end of June. So it's illegal to do it mm-hmm. any other time? Well, yeah, but the thing about it is, is you, there's not going to be fish in there during the other times okay. of the year because okay. they go in there spawning. I got you. That's what it is. But, man, we need to do a, uh, man, we just need to do a, a whole, an entire noodling episode. And uh, we get Hannah Barron on here. And uh, there was one other person. Uh, Gosh, I can't think of his name. He's big into it. I'll think of it later anyway. Dude, we got to do that. Um, so the guy, the guy, I just booked a trip with uh, for this year because I was, you know, dumb enough to book another trip. So the guy that we're going with is uh, Hulk Hooker. Um, he's out of Mississippi. He fished in Mississippi. He actually um, runs some boxes with Hannah and Jeff. Okay. Um, so that's what we're going with. He wants to go in May, and I just think that's way too way too cold for me to be in the water. That water's cold in May, man. I usually don't go till after the first of June. Um, yeah. And we do it the way I've done it. Like my uncle got me into that when I was a kid. I mean, I probably wasn't. Oh shoot, I was seven or eight years old when I first started doing it with him. And uh, like we didn't have boxes or anything. We just like like you're talking about. We'd fish boat ramps. Or he'd know where there was holes in the river, and we've we've got a log, and I can't say too much about it. It's on a river here close to Hattiesburg. It's a hollow log that has been there for 20 years, and if you're going down the river, you don't know it's there. And we fish that log every year, and we'll catch a couple fish out of it, 45, 50 pounds every year. Cool. I caught one out of it two years ago. I took my daughters with me, and I, t- I took my dad. My dad won't do it. My dad will go and watch, but he won't do it. And I took my daughters and my dad with me, and we caught a a 47 pounder out of that hole. And I've been, I, which was really cool because I've started fishing that hole with my uncle, like you know, like I said, when I was seven or eight years old. And here I am now, I'm 35, 36 years old, and I'm catching fish out of that same spot with my daughters. So it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I'm not even gonna sit here lie to you. Like I do not want to catch a fish that's over 40 pounds. It, I, it, I, I feel like. I feel like in my situation, that's a lot for me to handle with no legs. Like, I feel like <laughs> I'd be the bobber at that point, and, like, you need to see my legs and butt floating on top of the water, and, like, the rest of me is under the water as the fish takes off of me. Well, well, look, man, this log that I'm talking about, this particular log, it goes back in there pretty good ways. We'll just, we'll just hold you by your legs and shove you up in the hole and let you bring the fish out. We'll pull you out with the fish. Well, well here's the thing. You don't know if I have the fish. Like, I can't kick you and let you know that I have fish. Uh, we'll be able to feel You can hear it, man. You know, when you, all right, so when you went and you go underwater, you can hear that fish bumping around in there. Yeah. So it, it, either you or the fish want to be bumping around. we get you out of there. Man, like, listen, listen. Like, in my first episode with Swamp People, when they called me to do the show, it was like, hey, like, we want you to call an alligator. I said, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, that's cool, you know. And then they gave me the, the layout of how this thing was going to go. It's like, oh, we're going to let you drive your tractor through the swamp, and we're going to meet the guys on our side, and you're going to set up in the middle of the swamp, and you're going to call in the alligator to you. And I was like, you know what? That actually sounds like I'm the bait. <laughs> it's like, yeah, basically pretty much. Like now, in the noodling situation, I still feel like I'm the bait in every situation. Well, you, you shouldn't be the world-class caller, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, tell me this now. Can you call an alligator? Like, is that even possible? I can call everything except my egg back. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Oh man. Well, look, we're about we're about out of time tonight. Um, dude, we gotta have you back. This is too much fun. Um, let's do it. I tell you what, I'll let's figure out a time and uh, I'll see if I can gather one of my friends, one of my crazy friends, to hop on and. Heck, I might even get out in the hot one, and we'll go into details about that New England trip and some other fun trips that we've had together. Let's 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 get a New England trip together. Let's let's make that happen. We'll start working. We'll start working on that after we get done tonight. And uh, I tell you what, I tell you what, let's do a New England trip together, and then after that trip, we'll go back and do a podcast while it's still fresh on our minds, and just go all in on it. That sounds perfect. And we're gonna make Matt go with us. I'll try it. 
Matt, 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 listen. How bad do you feel that the paraplegic is going to outfish you? Like, you know, like, like that's like a, that's like that uh, that Cat Williams skit. Like, you're going to get beat by think he had an unfair advantage. Like, the guy with no legs has an unfair advantage, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He talked about a. Uh... What was that Cat Williams? He was talking about Blade Runner. Oscar Pistorius. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah you're going to outfish me. Don't, I don't... <clears throat> I've never tried this, but I'm willing to try it. Uh, I, look, I'm not scared of water, but I would say if there's water that I'm not a huge fan of, it's muddy, like river water. Oh, that's Probably, where, I know that's where we're that's going. That's where we're yeah. going, man. But what's funny is I duck hunt a lot, Josh, and so it doesn't bother me at all then. Um, look, we dodge Asian, Asian carp on the way in because they'll be jumping all around the boat. But outside of that, look, Matt is the—I've said it before. Matt is the poster child for Mississippi sportsman now. He's all over their magazines and social media stuff. So he—he's he, got to do the noodling thing. I killed a couple good deer, but I say we go noodling, and I'll take pictures if I catch one. That's—that's that's a date. We're doing it. Hey, hey Matt, you, you know what helps me? get through that fear factor of being in that muddy water what's that it's gonna be this is a joke i know i'm waiting on the punchline (laughs) it's drinking water that's already brown it's called whiskey yeah (laughs) that's good i like it i like it josh man thank you so much for coming on doing this this has been a lot of fun um anybody that's listening you need to go check out josh carney's uh instagram son of the south tv facebook uh, YouTube, man, you name it, he's done it. Uh, Josh, next time we're gonna have a we're gonna have a really good discussion about Matt catching fish noodling. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, it's gonna be one heck of a story. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Matt, you got anything else tonight? I don't. Josh, been a pleasure. Josh, thanks, thank you, man. Guys. While you're scrolling through Facebook, check out Mr. Nice Guy Food Truck and Catering. Also, a special thank you to Jason Justice of Orange Beach, Alabama, who provides all of the music for the Pinstripes to Camo podcast. 